Hello, this is Tushta Krishna Das, and you're listening to ISKCON Denver podcast, where you can hear all of our classes and kirtans. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and share with others. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna. All glories to the assembled devotees. Hare Krishna. All glories to the assembled devotees. Hare Krishna. All glories to the assembled devotees. Hare Krishna. All glories, all glories, all glories to Shishi Guru Gauranga. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Hare Krishna. Reading from the Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 4, Chapter 8, entitled Dhruv Maharaj Leaves Home for the Forest. I think we're on text 6. Sayam Puvasya Pimanur 
परेर अंशांश जन्मना अतातक कीते वंशम पुण्य कीते कुरुद्वह स्वायं भुवास्यापि मनोर परेर अंशांश जन्मना अतातक कीते वंशम पुण्य कीते कुरुद्वह स्वायं भुवस्यापि मनोर परेर अंशांश जन्मना when anybody like to chant? Atata kirta evangsum, punya kirte karudvaha, svayam buvasya pimanur, harer angshang shajanmanaha. Anyone else? Okay. Word for word. Ata now. Ataha hereafter. Kirtaye I shall describe. Vangsham dynasty. Celebrated for virtuous activities. Kuru Udvaha, O best of the Kurus. Svayam Pavasya, of Svayam Pava. Ape, even. Manoho, of the Manu. Harehe, of the personality of Godhead. Angsha, plenary expansion. Angsha, part of. Janmanaha, born of. Translation and purport by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Srila Prabhupada, Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. Maitreya continued, O best of the Kuru dynasty, I shall now describe to you the descendants of Svayam Puvamanu, who was born of a part of a plenary expansion of the Supreme personality of Godhead. Purport. Lord Brahma is a powerful expansion of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Although Brahma is Jiva Tattva, he is empowered by the Lord. And therefore he is considered a plenary expansion of the Supreme Godhead. Sometimes it happens that when there is no suitable living entity to be empowered to act as Brahma, the Supreme Lord himself appears as Brahma. Brahma is the plenary expansion of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and Svayam Bhuvamanu was the direct son of Brahma. The great sage Maitreya is now going to explain about the descendants of this Manu, all of whom are widely celebrated for their pious activities. Before speaking of these pious descendants, Maitreya has already described the descendants of impious activities, representing anger, envy, unpalatable speech, quarrel, fear, and death. Purposely, therefore, he is next relating this, the history of the life of Truva Maharaj, the most pious king within this universe. Om Jnana Timiram Dhasya Jnana Shilakaya Chakshurun Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha 
Shri Chaitanya Manopishtam Stapitam Yena Putale Svayam Rupa Kada Mahyam Dadati Supadantikam Banchakalpaturupyascha Kupasantupya Evacha Putitanam Pavanapyu Vaishnavipyu Namunamaha Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadatara Shrivasadi Gaura Pakdavrinda Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Tato Kirti Vamsham, Ponya Kirti Kurudvah, Svayam Pavasyati Manor, Hare Angsham Shajan Manah. Maitre continued, O best of the Kuru dynasty, I shall now describe to you the descendants of Swayambhuva Manu who was born of a part of a plenary expansion of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Hare Krishna. Okay. With your blessings, we'll talk about the nature of stories. In this purport, Srila Prabhupada he points out that uh, Maitreya has already described the descendants of impious activities. And because of that, um, purposely, therefore, he is next relating the history of the life of Dhruva Maharaj, the most pious king within the universe. Because there are different purposes for telling stories. And the Bhagavatam is a series of stories. It's actually history. It's a Purana. Purana means history. These events actually happened. But um, I wanted to start in a general way, by general way, by talking about the nature of stories in human society because it's uh, such a fundamental part of being a human to tell stories and hear them. And there are different kinds of purposes to stories. One can entertain. So uh, in today's world, there are practically unlimited options. You'll never get through them all to uh, options for places and ideas, um, stories to distract us and entertain us. And people are willing to pay large amounts of money for that, to be distracted and entertained. Stories can also, or simultaneously persuade, they can actually um, be directed to, to change in the minds of the audience on a, on a subject or to inform, to just share information. And any or all of these things can happen. And in fact, our stories, our Shastra and the Puranas particularly, which deal with pastimes, uh, do all of these things, actually. Um, it's described that Veda Vyas, he presented the Mahabharata in part, the form of it was the way it was, um, very dramatic, full of ups and downs, because that meets the need of the living entity who wants entertainment. Um, the Upanishads were no longer accessible due to not being actually available, and also to not being uh, a form of, of, of instruction that can be approached by anybody um, without purification, intellectual advancement, control of the mind. So 
the Puranas, Mahabharata, become more important. Jiva Goswami makes this point in the Tattva Sandarbha that for us in this age, the Puranas are actually more important than the original Vedas. Although they're not Shruti, they're Smriti. They're actually representations of the same essential and eternal truth, but for the, for the persons of this age. And so Mahabharata is quite entertaining, actually. And that's because the audience of Mahabharata has been greatly expanded from Brahmanas to literally everybody. Anybody can hear about the war and the uh, intrigue and political fighting and also material weapon, weaponry fighting uh, between the Kurus and the, uh, the Pandavas. And they can actually be entertained by that and want to hear more. And by that, they can be persuaded on certain things and informed. And ultimately, of course, the purpose of Mahabharata is the purpose of everything that our uh, Bhakti Acharyas have given, which is to actually help us to develop love for Krishna. And this is a, a very special feature of stories given by devotees and given in a devotional context. Even stories that are given um, that don't present themselves immediately as being about this highest goal of life. When given by devotees who have a clear intent and no other desire in life, they have no desire to uh, talk about the comings and goings of the material world. They're not interested in um, the scores and the winners and losers in the material realm, which Srila Prabhupada calls a colossal hoax, their stories are actually meant to always uplift everybody to that highest goal. For example, in the Srimad Bhagavatam, we hear later in this canto from Narada Muni, a long elaborate story that he actually shares to a great king. He does that because this king actually was engaged in uh, fruitive activities. And so Narada Muni sits down and he uh, describes to Prachina Barhishat the characteristics of a theoretical person, Maharaj Puranjana. And Puranjana is a story that was made up by Narada Muni presumably on the spot. We don't know if it's a stock story he's used before. It's quite specific for his audience. So we can surmise that he actually crafted it in real time to help this person because he didn't feel that uh, Prachina Barhishat was going to be receptive to a uh, direct talking to an instruction. You shouldn't be doing this. You should be doing that. He used the storytelling method. And that's what is known as the Puranic method. The Upanishads are much more in the form of direct instructions. And the Puranas are much more descriptions of what happens if you follow certain lines of activity. And so this Puranjana, this fictional character, actually is crafted after the audience, the audience of one, Prachina Barhishat. And by depersonalizing the story, not making it about him personally. Narada Muni tells him a nice story. He says, I have a story to tell you. And he just tells him the story. He lets Prachinabharishad become absorbed 
he's to a degree he's entertained because he's hearing a story and he's becoming attracted but ultimately he's being guided through his own anarthas and past them to the highest goal of life and that required letting go of certain things that he was attached to and he couldn't do that by being told this isn't good for you so narada muni showed him through a story what happens to persons who are attached to fruitive activities who perform sacrifices of animals just to be comfortable in this world and looking at that as a third person experience prachina barishat actually was able to take the lesson very deeply so much so that at the end of these several chapters of discourse narada muni stops talking having answered some questions also and prachina barishat has a revelation he is able to understand um I'm in a very difficult and dangerous position right now. I need to do something. And there is absolutely no uh, possibility of even waiting. I have to act now. I'm in great danger. My spiritual life is at risk. I need to abandon these material activities that have, I've been attached to for so long. And he left his kingdom. Didn't even wait for his sons to come back from their pilgrimage. He made arrangements for his own salvation. And, uh, this is an example of how the devotee actually has this ultimate purpose. These are the stories of the Bhagavatam. These are the stories of the devotees. They're always aimed to that highest purpose. So to that end, stories use uh, what's called pathos, pathos, emotional appeal. They'll use logos. These are Greek terms presentations of logic and they'll use ethos appeals to authority uh, by showing what happened to somebody else or by hearing from somebody that's actually considered an authority we see in the Bhagavatam that in many places devotees will quote other authorities in the Bhagavad Gita too Arjuna says Narda Vyasa all these authorities they've actually proclaimed you as the supreme personality of Godhead now you're saying that yourself and they'll these, these stories and pastimes also use logic and emotion, all for the purpose of persuading and informing the living entity to change the heart, to change the trajectory of the living entity in a very, very subtle way. Uh, otherwise, persuasion and information and entertainment in this world don't really get past the mind. Uh, they may touch on the intelligence, but they don't get to the ego, the false ego. This essential problem of the false ego of misidentifying ourselves, as long as it's not addressed, it doesn't actually matter what happens to our intelligence and our mind, how so-called discriminating we are, or what the nature of our thinking and feeling is. Because we're going to continue to think, feel, and discriminate for the purposes of perpetuating our existence as a, as a separate, so-called separate living entity from Krishna. And that is the reason that stories ultimately are told to help us transcend this essential problem this essential problem of material life is that we're limited we're very constrained we have a small tiny box of reality that we live in that's defined the the, the borders of it are defined by the separation between our own conception of self and everything else. Actually, material life is a 
painfully constricted condition from the time of being trapped in the womb and literally being constricted in a way that would drive somebody crazy if they were allowed to be fully conscious in that. And therefore, the embryo developing in the womb is not allowed to be fully conscious because it's so awkward. Throughout life, as long as one has a false ego, they're tightly, tightly bound. And their view of reality is very narrow. <clears throat> therefore, we see these words cripple-minded and broad-minded. Cripple-minded person. Kripanaha. In the Sanskrit, Prabhupada talks about somebody whose vision is extremely narrow. They cannot accommodate variety. They cannot see past their own material desires. And Udhadati, broad-minded. Or Kripana versus Brahmana, somebody who's actually able to see reality beyond their own false ego. If we actually have a false ego, to the extent we identify with it, to that extent, our vision of reality is constrained. And to the extent that we've purified our ego, to that extent, it's broadened. So the ultimate purpose of stories isn't just to entertain, persuade, or inform. It's using all of these things. It's using logic and emotion and appeal to authority, all of these things, to help us transcend our own limited reality. Because it's actually very, very painful to live in a tiny box and to believe that we're separate from everything else. It's actually a, a terrifying and as existentially <clears throat> depressing condition. And by default, because we have this false ego, jivas, all of us, conditioned souls are quite self-centered. And that self is actually a very tiny conception of self because it's just this little fragmental thing in a world and universe that doesn't make any sense where we can't connect to anything else because there's no essential relationship. And that's enough to drive somebody mad. Uh, and therefore, real human life, even outside the purview of what we could call devotional development, really has to do with developing the consciousness. Uh, His Holiness Hridayananda Das Goswami refers to this as cosmic sensitivity training. The mature world is actually cosmic sensitivity training. It's meant to expand the default very, very small, very narrow, very limited, self-centered condition of viewing ourself in reality to greater reality and ultimately to the greatest reality. So this is what stories do. This is why people go to the movies, actually. This is why they go to plays. This is why they hear music. This is why we have conversations with people, ultimately, we want, our con we want our consciousness to be expanded and we want others to understand us and help bring out our own consciousness to them. We're telling stories and we're hearing stories to have our consciousness expanded, to see reality in a deeper way and to share our own reality with others so that it transcends our limited, time-bound, ego-bound, karmically bound context and actually exists in the common sphere it's understood it's shared becomes part of shared reality and Srila Prabhupada writes about this in the nectar of devotion he says that in the preface the basic principle of the living condition is that we have a general propensity to love someone no one can live without loving someone else at the present moment the human society teaches one to love his country or family 
or his personal self, but there is no information where to repose the loving propensity so that everyone can become happy. This loving propensity that Prabhupada is talking about takes its very initial shape in the form of hearing and chanting. And we see that devotees who have a loving propensity for Krishna and have stoked that to a very intense degree want to hear about Krishna and want to talk about him more and more. This is a natural tendency. We actually show what we care about with our ears and our tongues. What we choose to talk about and hear about is a function of this loving propensity. And therefore, stories are a way of engaging that and expanding it. One is meant to, according to philosophers, according to materialistic even philosophers on the nature of drama, the nature of stories, one is meant to actually come away changed. This is what transcendence means. To not be the same person afterwards, to be bigger, to be broader, to have a greater idea of reality. Somebody tells you a story, and by hearing it, you don't just learn a fact. You actually internalize the experience of that person or the experiences in that story, and you're able to actually view reality in a broader way. This is what human beings are always doing. This is why we read. This is why we go on the internet and collect information. This is why we go to the movies. Because we're, we're actually made for paying attention to reality and giving our hearing and talking capacities to it. And depending on what we, what we dedicate ourselves to in that way, we'll become expanded or become constricted. And therefore, art and stories, again, according to philosophers in the world, they're not separate from moral development. They're not separate from personal development. They're not separate from spiritual development. There is a quote from, from Thomas Merton, famous uh, Catholic monk. He wrote that, uh, a great appreciator of Bhagavad Gita. He writes, I do not, this is a letter to Boris Pasternak, a uh, famous writer in 1958. I do not insist on this division between spirituality and art. For I think that even things that are not patently spiritual, if they come from the heart of a spiritual person, are spiritual. This is a very deep point that, you know, Marshall McLuhan made the point that the medium is the message. But Thomas Merton is making a deeper point. The message is shaped by the consciousness of the messenger. Therefore, Narada Muni tells a story. That story doesn't actually include a direct reference to God. It includes several indirect references to God and to the living entity and to our karmic condition. And therefore it's not strictly speaking spiritual, but of course it's absolutely spiritual. So much so that the Srimad Bhagavatam, which is only 18,000 words, if you consider the totality of human experience and transhuman experience, 18,000 words is nothing. To get into the Bhagavatam is the ultimate prize for being relevant. Bhagavatam includes in several chapters, Narada Muni's story. That's how spiritual it is because it comes from the heart of a spiritual person. And that is the ultimate purpose of stories. Bhagavatam itself in the fifth chapter says, He says, does Narada Muni again to Vyasadeva, 
that on the other hand, as contrasted with material literatures, which were described in the previous verse, and are compared to a pilgrimage, a place of pilgrimage of crows. It says, on the other hand, that literature, which is full of descriptions of the transcendental glories of the name, fame, forms, pastimes, etc., of the unlimited Supreme Lord is a different creation, full of transcendental words. Then he gives the purpose, directed toward bringing about a revolution in the impious lives of this world's misdirected civilization. That's the purpose of Agatha. That's the purpose of the speech of a Bhagavata, like Nardamuni, or like a follower of Nardamuni. They're directed toward bringing about a revolution. Uh, His Grace Radhika Raman Prabhu, noted Sanskritist and devotee, points out, in his opinion, as a Sanskritist, this translation of the word viplava as revolution is the most telling and beautifully poetic example of Srila Prabhupada revealing his heart as a Sanskritist, as a translator. Viplava literally means to turn, or it can mean overflow, destruction, annihilation. And Srila Prabhupada takes that word and he makes it revolutionary. Revolutionary comes from the Latin to turn again. Like to revolve means to turn again. The earth is always turning, it's revolving, right? So it's turning again and again. And this is how Prabhupada explains this point. It's meant to revolutionize janataka, the sins of people. It's meant to actually help one to, to be released from these obstacles and revolutionize their personal life and our communal life so we can actually be properly directed. And this is the ultimate purpose of stories. This is the ultimate form of stories. Whether they entertain, persuade, or inform, or all the above. Whether they use logic, emotion, or appeals to authority, or all or any of the above. They're actually meant to help us to expand, as Srila Prabhupada says, <clears throat> our loving propensity. He says, just as a vibration of light or air expands, but we do not know where it ends. We don't know where it ends as conditioned living entities. We know that when we look back on our past, we are hopefully not as interested now as we were then as children in things like playing with dolls for its own sake and creating uh, make-believe stories with our friends, playing with Lego for its own sake and playing video games. We know that our conception of self and what is actually important and what we're related to expands and is expanding. Even people who are a little bit sattvic, mostly rajasic, but a little bit sattvic can see human life is meant for this expansion of consciousness. But we don't know where it ends. And the Bhagavata, the devotee, and the book Bhagavata, the presentation of devotional service, are given with this purpose from the heart of persons who have understood what our options are actually as human beings, as parts and parcels of God, as little wandering units of consciousness and attention. They know what our capacity is and what our options really are. And the fact that those options actually include the greatest option, which is develop unmotivated, uninterrupted, completely ecstatic, all-encompassing love for God, which includes with it complete realization of reality because Krishna is himself the supreme Brahman. He's not separate from anything else. And so 
the purpose of this presentation today is to help us to understand that as human beings, we're never going to get away from stories. It's not a modern thing. It's a human thing. It's actually a spiritual thing. In the spiritual world, Mother Yashoda, who is an eternal associate of Krishna, she had no sadhana to perform to become a pure lover of Krishna. She has always and eternally been completely free from the modes of nature and had ever-expanding and completely unique love for Krishna as his original and eternal mother. And what does she do? She churns butter and she tells stories and sings songs about Krishna's glories. And in the Bhagavatam, when it talks about the appearance of Mother Yashoda and Krishna and their associates on this planet, this very planet, it talks about how Mother Yashoda and later the gopis and the cowherd boys are always telling about Krishna's pastimes. The boys come back from the forest, they've spontaneously composed songs about how Krishna killed the Kasura and they got to play with him. Or how uh, the gopis are singing about what Krishna does in the forest and separation. And Mother Yashoda is singing with that heart of a mother. And therefore, although somebody may hear that and say, this is not spiritual, this is some mom talking about her son. They don't understand that the heart of Mother Yashoda is there in her words. The heart of Narada Muni is there in his words. Vyasadeva is in his words. Prabhupada is in his words. And if we put that in our ears, we're going to be changed. As much as if we put George Lucas and Steven Spielberg and Quentin Tarantino in our ears, we're actually intimately associating with these persons and taking their values. We're going to hear their stories and what's in their heart. And what's in their heart and the value of their stories is limited by the amount of purification they've done as a living entity. So we can't stop hearing. We're never going to stop hearing. Uh, Dave Marita Swami talks about uh, a, an actual event where a, a, a person engaged in impersonal meditation for decades in solitude in the jungle and left it. And this is why we heard about this story. Why did they leave it? Because after these decades of meditation, trying to become free from the modes of nature, some distant person passed by and was listening to a radio. And that radio was playing a love song. And this aspiring Brahmavadi heard the love song, these material emotions, and began to cry uncontrollably and they didn't they were shocked and appalled because they realized that their entire spiritual program was a failure because they couldn't even become free from getting distracted by a two-bit dime store pop song because they had never engaged their heart their practice didn't involve that so stories are always there they're there for children they're there for materialists. They're there for the beginning transcendentalists. And they're there for the most advanced devotees. Mahaprabhu stays up all night talking Krishna Lila, crying so many tears. He has to be kept away from the manuscript of Bhagavatam because he's going to drench it and it's going to be illegible. This is the life of a pure devotee. It's always stories. So we should use our intelligence, our God-given intelligence, to try and find what is the best way I can engage this hearing capacity, this storytelling and story hearing capacity.
what can I do? What can I, where can I, how can I use this suspension of disbelief, this tendency to want to sit still in a quiet, dark room and see light and hear sound, this tendency to go and watch people move and tell a story, this tendency to hear through sound and harmony and rhythm, vocal storytelling, a musical expression. How can I use these things? Because I'm never going to be free from them. I'm always going to have this as part of me. It's part of who we are. The arts are actually expansions of Krishna's shaktis. The gopis themselves, they are the fountainhead of all music, the fountainhead of all drama. All the original ragas, the very fine, subtle expressions of specific emotional realities, they come from the gopis. Because the gopis actually are in love with Krishna, who is the ultimate reality. And the gopis are themselves the most refined and specific and pure expressions of love for, appreciation for that reality with all of its different flavors. So we can associate ourselves with the sounds of the expansions of the expansions of the expansions of those gopis here in the material world by listening to the pop music of the day with all of its pollution and take up the consciousness of all the people who are involved in that, or we can essentially as associate with the gopis by associating with Narada Muni, Srila Prabhupada, Srila Vyasadev, and even other Matimadikari aspiring devotees who have that goal. Thomas Merton said, that even things that are not patently spiritual, if they come from the heart of a spiritual person are spiritual. And then when we're even more advanced, when we're pres presenting Krishna consciousness, we have that goal all the time of helping the person we're talking to to come to this highest reality. Even if they're not ready to hear about, you're literally a servant of God. You have no other business but to serve God. Even if we just tell about ourselves. In the Brihad um, Bhagavatamrita, Gopu Kumar, who at this point in the, in the story is actually a perfected being, so much so he actually has the darshan of Radharani. And Radharani says to him, I have a service for you. There is Brahman who's made some advancement in bhakti, but he's not perfect yet. And he's confused and bewildered. He needs a guru. I want you to go be his guru and help him come back home, back to me and Krishna. This is his mission. So Gopakumar goes and he's, he, he introduces himself. They, they talk. He starts to tell about this highest reality. And he realizes that he has to tell about himself because that's how he can actually get the message across. And Sanatana Goswami says, normally self-praise is as good as death. Because to tell about himself, the Gopal Kumar has to actually reveal that he's a perfect living entity. And he wasn't once. He has to tell that story. There's a story arc. Self-praise is as good as death normally. But, says Sanatana Goswami, if it helps somebody to come to the highest goal, you should do it which is what Gopakumar does. And this Pradjyotish Brahmana becomes a pure devotee by that association. And actually, Matimadikars are also doing this. They're sharing from their own life what it was like to come to Krishna consciousness and helping be relatable, as we talked about in a previous class, this point of relatability, always for the point of bringing people to that highest goal because they need to hear. If they're not gonna hear from us, they're gonna hear from George Lucas. Star, Star Wars, 3 billion, you know, 
and they're not going to actually get anywhere with that. Maybe they take birth in a galaxy far, far away with large green ears. That's not a victory. We know what the highest goal is because we've heard from those who know what the highest goal is. So we have to actually put ourselves in front of that sound vibration and be reminded. And our movement is based on uh, sharing that in all kinds of ways through every single art form and through personal recollection with other persons. Those are my thoughts on this point of stories. We talked about how stories entertain, persuade, or inform. They use logic, emotion, and appeals to authority. And ultimately, they actually are meant to bring one to the highest reality, which is only understood by those who are experiencing it, which is the reality of pure love for Krishna. We made a case that stories are always there. They're never going to go away. And that what is, whatever is coming from the heart of a spiritual person is also spiritual. And that therefore, we have to choose our association very carefully put ourselves in front of this transcendental sound and share it with others so that they can actually, like King Prashina Barhishat, have their eyes open to the real potential. Hare Krishna. Om Tat Sat. Now we will take comments, questions, and reflections. Um, so, I really, really appreciate all the points that you're making. Really good points. And, you know, it just makes sense that that stories are so powerful because they call out to the basically they call to that that emotional experience or the personal experience and and even though someone may have like situationally it may be different everyone has experienced hurt or betrayal or fall down or embarrassment or like all the stories they um everyone can relate to it and how important it is especially when it comes to understanding philosophy that if we're just only doing philosophy we have to really imbibe it so stories are helpful for us to really truly imbibe the philosophy level. yes and according to our acharyas like jiva goswami and like vyasadev they're not just important they're necessary because most of us are never going to be qualified to hear Upanishadic uh, strict philosophical presentations of reality. They're too abstract. We're not subtle enough and we're not pure enough. If you actually look at the Upanishads, they don't generally talk about Krishna's form directly. Um, and yet we understand that persons in the past heard the Upanishads and became pure devotees. So it's understood by Vyasadev and Jiva Goswami at the, in the Tattva Sandarbha. It's understood that for us to get to that goal, we need, we need stories, actually. We need the Puranic expression. We need presentations of persons going through things we can relate to. You know, um, persons who want a child more than anything and lose that child. Persons who are having uh, marital difficulties persons who are angry and frustrated like Dhruva Maharaj is going to be in a couple of chapters or even later in this chapter because we're on the mental platform. We're not on the intellectual platform by default. A mental platform means thinking, willing, willing and feeling. So we, can, we are meant to be engaged in that way. We hear about Dhruva Maharaj and we, we actually feel, yes, I've, I've felt anger. I felt frustration. Or if we haven't in this life, 
it's activated. That memory is activated by hearing. We actually experience what the devotee is experiencing Bhagavatam by hearing about it. And then we realize that we don't actually have to relive it again. We don't actually have to have another lifetime where we go through a Dhruva Maharaj episode and take revenge and, and show, you know, I'll show them and go through that whole thing in order to learn the lesson because Bhagavatam helps us, takes us by the hand and takes us across that whole story arc from the beginning of wanting something and not having it to being obsessed with it, to getting it, and then ultimately realizing it was nothing compared to the ultimate goal. And by that hearing, we get the same, the same end result as the Upanishads, but we can actually digest it as residents of Kali Yuga. We can't sit and hear Upanishads only and Vedanta Sutra only and realize, oh, I need to surrender to God. This is the best thing for me. That's really not going to happen without the Puranas and that form, the storytelling form, the Leela form. Thank you. How are you both, Prabhu? Hare Krishna. Hey, uh, I, I really appreciated your, uh, uh, you know, like Quinn Tarantino, you know, like eternal associate, associating with him. Really got me thinking, man, like, you know, I was a big movie buff and uh, I really, you know, you just never realize how much that shapes your consciousness and, uh, yeah, you know, like turns you into somebody and, um, and now it's like I'm really trying to disassociate with Mahaprabhu, you know, through CC and my guru Maharaj. And, uh, you know, I'm watching these, you know, I'm watching the way I feel and everything else change, you know, just uh, from my, my consciousness now be, being swayed in such a, I guess, negative way or a lower frequency. Um, it's, it's quite amazing. But it was really cool to hear you say it in such a way. Um, as well as I've been uh, actively sharing my story a little bit with uh, some devotees and uh, actively seeking other people's stories, uh, other devotees' stories of how they came to Krishna consciousness and uh, kind of things from their past. And uh, it's really uh, been enlivening hearing, you know, um, the different ways that Krishna has, has uh, attracted them to this path. And, um, and just their pastimes, you know, um, I don't know. It's cool. So thank you again. Thank you. And on that note, there's a very nice devotee website called how I It's about how I came to Krishna consciousness, how I And it's got, um, video audio and also written testimonies from devotees about what happened. How did they come to Krishna consciousness? So I'm looking at it now. Here's Bhakti Mark Swami. Here's uh, a, a Brahmacharini from, looks like Mayapur. Here's a Brahmachari from somewhere. Here's Shastakrit Prabhu, noted book distributor, Radhajivan Prabhu, fundraiser for the TOVP. There are many, many, many devotees who've given their um, reflections here. And it's actually ecstatic. It's one of the best conversations you can have with a devotee. Like if you get around devotees, when they meet each other, they introduce themselves, where they're from, what they do. And then it's like, okay, what's the next question? Hey, how'd you come to Krishna consciousness? We want to hear, right? That's the story. We want to hear it. Was it Kirtan? Was it books? Was it a devotee? Was it some miracle? It's always some miracle. What shape did the miracle take? And there's like practically infinite stories around that. You know, I know so many sto stories from devotees of how they came to Krishna consciousness that are just uh, 
I mean, incredible, actually incredible. You wouldn't believe it. The, the kinds of things that happen in this world to bring people to Krishna consciousness and, um, and remembering our stories, sharing them with others and hearing from them is super fortifying for one's faith. Because you realize, like you said, like, you know, Mahaprabhu is in charge, things are going on. There's this secret world within the world around us where the internal energy is snatching people up, picking them up and depositing them in the stream of bhakti. And the more we hear about that, the more we want to live in that and not go back to watching Quentin Tarantino movies. Um, because we know that unless somebody is actually in touch with the internal energy, they're just chewing the chewed. We don't want to take that dried up piece of gum from their mouth and chew it ourselves. There's just no way. We have way too many fresh, wonderful stories. We're never going to get through ourselves. We're never going to hear all the stories from all the devotees in ISKCON, how they came to Krishna consciousness. But every single one of them is amazing, guaranteed. Yeah, I'm Thank finding you. that out in my own personal path. Uh, it's, you know, I, I, I you know, specifically, I, I had Nandasuna over here for dinner and asked his story. And I never fully knew his story of coming to Krishna consciousness. Yeah, he's got a great story. Quite, it, it quite blew me away, you know. And I think there's a lot of emphasis in Christianity on the power of testimony. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's like I'm reliving that now with Krishna consciousness. I'm actively seeking out. So thank you for sharing that website. Uh, I'm definitely going to pop on there and check it out later. Thank you. And I think that's a good title for this class, The Power of Testimony. Yes, Jai. Jai. Hey, thanks. Samya Prashpabhu. Oh, there's a little. One second. <laughs> there's a little reverb here because we got the mic. There we go. Yeah, thank you for. Is it echoing? Yeah. I think if you talk slowly, we can make it out, though. Okay. Let me just turn down. Uh, we got Nate's phone. I'm just going to give his phone back. I, I was appreciating your points of stories. And uh, there's a nice verse in purport regarding the glories of Krishna book. And uh, you were referring to these Mahajanas and what they've given us. And how their consciousness is delivered through, we experience their association through what they've given us. So anyhow, just out of appreciation, I've, this is a real um, refreshing um, inspiration to regularly hear Krishna book, which is uh, full of pastimes. So uh, Krishna Kaviraj says, I am now almost an invalid because of old age. And I know that at any moment I may die. Therefore, I've already described some portions of the Antialila. It's a very beautiful purport, short one. Following in the footsteps of Srila Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami, Srila Prabhupada says, I am trying to translate Srimad Bhagavatam as quickly as possible. However, knowing myself to be an old man and almost invalid because of rheumatism, I've already translated the essence of all literatures, the 10th canto of Srimad Bhagavatam, as a summary study in English. I started the Krishna consciousness movement at the age of 70. Now I am 78, and so my death is imminent. I'm trying to finish the translation of Srimad Bhagavatam as soon as possible. But before finishing it, I have given my readers the book, Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, so that if I die before finishing the whole task, they may enjoy this book, which is the essence of Srimad Bhagavatam. 
Jive. So just, just in line with your wonderful class, highlighting the significance of stories in line with transcendence and Mahajanas, this uh, purport just came to mind. So I just wanted to share that. Thank you. Jai. Hi, Krishna Prabhu. Hare Krishna. Obeisances. So I was thinking how um, Yadubar and Vishaka Prabhu's um, film, Prabhupada's story, how it's touched the lives of, of course, the devotees and, uh, and so many people, they, you know, they witnessed themselves when they were going around uh, the world for the showings, how many people, you know, just first time maybe hearing about Prabhupada and they're, they're sitting there and, and crying and <laughs> um, just appreciating Prabhupada's the story of, you know, this sadhu and uh, so how much that's touching the lives of uh, people through the devotees um, uh, film presentations. And then also too now uh, during um, lockdown, GBC, uh, uh, their uh, a planning team, you know, strategic planning team, uh, when they have interviews, like when Deva Madhava Prabhu does an interview, the first thing he asks the person is, how did you come to Krishna consciousness? So, because he knows that um, everybody wants to hear these stories. And so the interview becomes um, very uh, surcharged with, uh, you know, the miracles <laughs> of uh, the devotees' stories about how they came. And so uh, I was just thinking how at this point now around the world, especially the devotee world, um, the, uh, the pastimes and the stories and the um, accounts and the interviews are, are um, being broadcast so much that uh, um, a lot of people are becoming very, very enlivened by all of this. So uh, yeah, thanks very much. It was wonderful class. Thank Hare you. Krishna. Hare Krishna. Yeah, I, I, I myself was very inspired by hearing how people came to Krishna consciousness. The Srila Prabhupada Memories videos on YouTube and following Srila Prabhupada, as well as any biography about Srila Prabhupada, um, is actually competent to do this because when you hear about the devotee, you're hearing about Krishna and you're hearing about how uh, devotees were inspired by Srila Prabhupada, what that association was like. And um, there's just tremendous value in that. And uh, as you said, it's, it's why we continue to ask, how did you come to Krishna consciousness? And hear the answer to that question. It's very, very enlivening. It's very sweet. So um, if you're inspired, you can go to howicame.com and submit your own story and hear the stories of others. And if you're just feeling like you need some inspiration or encouragement, that's a great way to go because they're all, uh, they're all little slices of life. They're all little stories. They could all be movies. Every single one of them could be a movie. Um, so rather than, you know, go on YouTube and listen to the, the would-be comic and tragic ideas of materialists and their stories, we can just listen to these stories and you're going to get um, the same things in a pure form. 
Should I, anyone else before we finish? Okay. Well, thank you for hearing my story. <laughs> Hopefully it was uh, harmonious with Vyasadev's Srila Prabhupada's. Hare Krishna. Srila Prabhupada ki jai, Srimad Bhagavatam ki jai, Van Chakal Paturu Hare Krishna. Thank you. Really nice class. Hi, everyone. Hi, 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 Hi,